Welcome in to another edition of the Tapping the Keg podcast, episode 460. Mitch on the ones and twos. Charlie here with you. You're actually on the other side of the Zoom, but just wanted to bring it back for old school sake. Um, how you doing? Good, good. It's been about two years since I, over two years since I've been on the ones and twos, technically. Yeah, I know, man. So. Um, I honestly think, I, honest to God, if we if we lived close, like if, if I, you know, at some point hopefully find a fucking house and, you know, I lived close to you and we could just say, all right, let's make it a thing and do it. Maybe we would go back, but it's just so easy. It's just so convenient. It's like, why, why do I want to leave? Um, and yes, I missed the drops. Um, I, so it's funny. I am trying to get back in the blogging, uh, more to come on that. I talked a little bit about that on Chuck's corner segment on Tuesday. People were curious, but I started to like, look back at like the old snow tap blog spot post. And so I found some old podcasts we did. So I was listening, um, into them and yeah, they definitely have grown, um, in terms of like my, how to set up a podcast, how to, like, I just was kind of amazed that not necessarily how bad it was, but just how like raw, like it, like our topics were all off. It wasn't that Wisconsin based, like there's just a lot there that needed, needed improvement. So I was definitely, it kind of was a proud moment that we came a long way, but yeah, you used to be uh, the king of the drops. We used to have a lot of drops uh, back in the day and you use them uh, very frequently. Yeah. I mean, that was, I don't know. No, was, I'm, not being, I'm not being time. critical. I'm just saying it was, uh, you know, it was a nice stroll down memory lane. Some of the, some of them I forgot. Um, and, you know, I, I would, I would always enjoy, I guess what that's, guess that's what we're saying, Brooksy. Um, a, well, you know, I feel one like of my drops, favorites. drops are kind of, as podcasts become more mainstream and more and more, you know, <clears throat> stuffy journalists have podcasts drops probably <laughs> are are less and less prevalent yeah you know what i mean like right the bill michaels they're probably, of the they've, world they've lost still... they've well they, they've just i mean i don't know everyone has a podcast so <clears throat> they've lost um some of their luster probably but only um, the real ones know about drops drops are a well-placed drop is all right um and some podcasts used to do drops that i knew like the basketball jones now i think it's called the starters they used to use drops all the time in their podcast. It is called No Dunks now. Oh, sorry, No Dunks. I've I forgot. I haven't paid. I haven't listened to them in a, in a little while. But um, regardless, it it is a lost art. Um, but it was it was a good trip down memory lane, as mentioned. Um, not a good trip down memory lane as the Bucks and Celtics from Monday. Uh, we'll talk about that. We're gonna preview the next couple of. Uh, couple of games as well as talk about you know what we like what we don't like from this series thus far we're going to grade measure of success for the Packers draft what does that look like and then lastly the Brewers big trip they're on the road a lot this May it will be a good barometer to kind of see what the Brewers actually are um, reminder we're on social tapping the keg across MKE on Twitter um, both of us pretty active when the Bucks are playing. Um, usually when the Bucks aren't doing well, we're a little more active, uh, as well as Instagram. And then uh, tapping the keg on Apple, Spotify, subscribe, rate, review, share with friends, tell them what we're all about. We really appreciate that. So 
let's uh, let's get into it. So the Milwaukee Bucks kind of fell back down to earth on Monday. We talked about it on Tuesday's show. Uh, you know, Mitch, I guess how much of that did you expect? Were you like, is it? Did you make peace with it early? Was it like, where was your where's your head at? Kind of <clears throat> halftime and then into the third quarter. Oh, so after they were already getting blown out? I mean, yeah, yeah. After, um, I mean, we can do before. I mean, feel free. Well, I, I just, that game was kind of house money. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> pardon my voice here. This is getting way worse than I thought. I, I apologize. No worries. Um, <clears throat> I thought I was fine, but uh, I do have a little scratch going right now. But um, <clears throat> the, um, yeah, no, so the game was kind of house money going in. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, we talked about that in person after game game one on Sunday, and I just didn't really want to see them get blown out. And they they kind of did. I mean, it was a blowout. You're down 25 at half. There's really not much you can do to, to come back and get back in that game with outside of being perfect and expecting the Bucks to be perfect in game two was was a very difficult uh, task because they were, you know. <clears throat> They kind of were. They kind of went back on their heels again in game two. I don't know if they just sort of did their thing in game one, and maybe clearly Boston was the team that was on their heels in game one. Maybe not prepared, not ready for the intensity of of the Bucks, and they kind of flipped it back on on Milwaukee in game two. So, um, you know, it was good to see Giannis get a rhythm in the in the in the second half after not being <clears throat> very good at all in the first half. And I mean, he's got to be, <clears throat> he's got to be MVP form um, in order for the Bucks to, to beat Boston without, without Chris Middleton. I mean, yeah. I tweeted during the game that <clears throat> you can, you can afford to overcome Middleton's loss, but you, you can't afford to not have both of them. And that's I thought that was, how... yeah, I thought that was a very astute point by you because it, it really felt like Giannis was missing from this game. I think there was way too much point Giannis um, to try to get him going. And then it kind of, they figured out like, all right, let's run this action where it's a lot of Giannis as the screener and they were creating some opportunities. I think ball movement yeah. is imperative against this defense. You have to move the ball. You can't necessarily be stagnant. You can't play ISO with these guys. This is, that's what they want you to do. You have to just keep the ball yeah. rolling. The fact that Brooke Lopez didn't have a post up. I don't even know the whole game maybe once, twice in the second half is ridiculous. Like you should be getting Brooks some opportunities, whether it's in the dunker spot, whether it's just a straight post um, and let him kind of go to work against an undersized Boston team. Cause despite, you know, Robert Williams athleticism and Al Horford's HGH body, um, which my dad commented <laughs> on, my dad's like, where the fuck did this come from from Al Horford? And I was like, He's like, I never knew he was a three-point shooter. And I did want to snark back, like, welcome to the fucking 2020, 2022, man. Like, every big guy's a shooter. That's just how it goes. But seriously, I don't know if somebody gave Al some sort of force tranquilizer or he's on the shit that DeAndre Hopkins is on. Because, like, he looks like a guy who's 25, 26 years old. It's crazy. Um, but it, back to my point, like, they're undersized. Like, they're an undersized team. Like, you can attack that, that size and – the Bucs were trying to get more matchups on Robert Williams for as good of a shot block that Robert Williams is. He still has a long way to go in terms of the lateral defense, and he can't really keep up with Giannis. And I know that 
Boston fans or Grant Williams is their fucking hero right now. But I will tell you right then and there that Grant Williams, he got his lunch start. Giannis started to munch on his lunch a little bit in the second half. Giannis is going to eat the whole fucking thing. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner in, in game number three. I'm telling you right now that they're going to be coming for Grant Williams. Yeah, um, you'd hope so. I, I would think that, and you saw it in the second half, Giannis sort of kind of said, fuck this, i got to do it all myself once again. Um I, I mean, there's a lot that you said there, but um, I know I, you know I they they uh, I mean, the Bucks were so far down right away that I mean, to really, it just was such a weird game. I mean, yeah. they took 18 threes. I will never get over that. Yeah, you need to take know. at least twice that many. And yeah, I, don't I don't know if that I don't know how that happens because of Boston Z or if that's because of just hesitation or i mean it, it had to be boston c i mean they were they were a different level of intensity in game two there's there's no question about that that they were <clears throat> containing Giannis. they were staying home on on all the shooters not doubling Giannis, which he picked them apart in game one um and meanwhile boston's hitting everything in, in the first half for sure and you know it's really hard to to i guess overcome that because you know, they're getting turnovers. They're getting, they're making everything. Jalen Brown's making fadeaways threes at the, at the shot clock buzzer. And it just was a nightmare. And they were totally, totally thrown off whatever they were trying to do. Also, they never helped themselves in the first quarter. It seems like every, every game is a slow start. Every game is, you know, turnovers, bad shots. It's just really frustrating. You'd like to see them come out. I think they will come out um, in game three, but I, I do want to real quick say that, um, so Boston made 18 threes in game one. People acting like they they, they couldn't shoot in yeah. game one was is a little bit a little bit false, a little bit misleading. I right. mean, they were 18 of 50. They sure they weren't. That's not as much. Uh, that's not as good as 20 for 43. Right. Which you know sort of shows you that they were taking getting better shots, taking better shots. Um, the ball movement was incredible by Boston, especially in the first half. I think the the Bucks were able to to force them into. Um, some shittier possessions in the second half, like you saw a lot of game one from Boston. Yeah. Um, but you're right. I mean, I think you mentioned it earlier about, you know, an adjustment, and this is what worked last year, was making Giannis the screener in the pick and roll instead of just having him bring it up and drive into nothing the entire time um, because it makes – it puts so much pressure on the defense. Yes. And what worked last year was Middleton and Giannis, you know, God forbid your two best players touch the ball or are involved <laughs> – in the action um that puts so much pressure on on the defense and you saw it over and over in the second half especially when the bucks kind of made a little couple little pushes there which boston had an answer for ultimately every time but it was like grayson who literally is probably their third best player right now um with Giannis as the screener or you know pat with Giannis as the screener or drew and they were getting you know easy layups and then maybe that's why they didn't, they only took like nine threes in the second half because they were just getting, Boston was basically letting them score um, all the time. And Stan Van, your boy, was pointing oh, that out. Oh, you know, my boy, my boy. The, the big and the pick and roll action for Boston wasn't doing anything. They were essentially just letting the Bucs get their layups. Um, so that's going to be an adjustment for the Bucs, I think, is just really 
really focusing and, and emphasizing Giannis as the screener. And yeah, because yeah. When, when Giannis when Giannis brings the ball up the court, it just and against a good defense, it just there's so many bubble vibes where it's just like, yeah, it can't work. We're not it's, doing anything. Yeah, it it needs to be scrapped. I understand there are times in transition where Giannis naturally you can do has, it. Has you can ball. do it. It just shouldn't be your main thing. No. No. And, and also too, like don't discount like Drew Holiday is a pretty damn good point guard on the offensive side of the ball and can definitely get things rolling. And if it's just Giannis and holiday all day long and it's lobs to Giannis and it's different little things, you know, with Giannis and holiday, and then it frees up a pack content quarter corner three or Bobby Porter's corner three. If that's what it ends up being, that's, that sounds like a great offense to me. That sounds like, an offense that is going to going to make shit happen. Right. And so I, I am a little encouraged, I guess by, I said this on yesterday's show, so I'm repeating myself a little bit, but I am encouraged by what I saw in the second half. I, I felt like, I felt like it was a win its own right. I realized that the score might not reflect it, but I felt like I felt good leaving that game. And I think the crowd's going to be fired up. I mean, it's middle of the day, Saturday, everyone's going to be boozed up. I'll be interested to see how Boston reacts to the crowd. People kind of forget this part. And I haven't heard this a lot. And maybe as it goes on, we'll hear it later this week, but they have not faced a real, a real road crowd. They were in Brooklyn for two games and it was 30%, 40% Boston fans, maybe more. Um, So this is going to be their first crowd that all hates their guts and all the whining and the crying that you see out of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, who yeah. I, I always kind of liked both those guys. Like I, I really never had a problem and maybe it's just the nature of playing them in a playoff series, but my God, do they bitch and they just, Oh, totally. Oh, it's terrible. Everything well, is. Like, they're a, they're a, they're a very dramatic team. Yes. Um, like they're always limping, they're always grimacing, they're always bitching at the refs, they're always showboating, they're always. I mean, it's just it's just a very like, and I don't know. I, that yeah. could be my it's bias, pro- but it's just like no, I feel like the Bucks are very, very, you know, non-flashy. Just get the job done, kind of keep their head down for the most part. Now Giannis sometimes gets a little carried away at times when he's frustrated, but um, that's definitely not his. Mo of being a complainer, you know. No. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I, I think the crowd is going to be okay. They're going to have to step it up in the bowl series. I mean, that was largely pathetic because I don't know if you know a lot of people just assumed a, a series win. Um, but I think there should be some juice. I mean, it's going to be you know it, we basically traded punches in Boston and. You know, there's really – it's a clearly a very evenly matched series, and um, the crowds are going to be a factor. I think they were for Boston in game two. They were – the Bucks in game one were able to kind of weather the initial storm and, and ultimately um, prevail, but not in, not in game two. Um, right. You know, but again, when – when you're turning the ball over left and right, I don't even know how many turnovers they ended with. The well, game the, seven, two, the seven turnovers in the second quarter was the death sentence because they get it down to 11. 
it's like okay they weathered the storm like just played pretty played pretty much even basketball here in the second quarter make some adjustments and then who knows in the second half they well, turn the ball over seven times and the avalanche five at halftime yeah and i mean yeah there was definitely you know really midway through the second quarter i think the bucks were okay yeah but then it just was an avalanche like you said i mean at the end of the second quarter to really blow it open again and um i don't know i was just thinking while you were talking like do you as as bucks fans do we want marcus smart to come back i mean i think you kind of do yeah you do um, that's I, I don't. I, I wouldn't say because again, it was such a blowout most of the game that it's hard to really have specific instances. But like, does Marcus Smart change? Like, if he played, let's say he played at eighty percent um, in game two, does he does he hurt them at all? I mean, maybe you know he's prob- probably taking the ball away from Jalen Brown, who probably yep. doesn't get going as much in the first quarter. Um, you know. You see, they, less, miss, you they, see, they did not miss him on defense. You, you, so. yeah, defensive player of the year, Jalen Brown. They somehow don't miss him on defense. It's almost like he wasn't de- defensive player of the year, and the Boston media machine made sure he was. Um, yeah. so I mean, here's the thing. Uh, if also too, if Marcus Smart's out there, there's not not a lot of Grant Williams minutes. I think that's a very yeah. interesting subplot if you're Boston right now it's like well we can play Marcus Smart who's our quote-unquote best defender or we can play Grant Williams who at least gave Giannis fits by being a brick wall by being a Teletubby like and throwing his throwing his belly into him like giving Giannis some fits the weird thing about Boston is that they have like they play like a really tight rotation and I think they'd be okay starting like seven guys yeah I mean it's, it's almost like they have too much I don't know depth is the word but like like the Bucks are a quote-unquote deep team but you know there's a pretty clear pecking order in my sure. opinion. Sure are, are the Bucks are the Celtics kind of the Hawks like of last year in a sense like Hawks had a lot of guys that could throw at you the Hawks could probably want to start seven guys kind of to your point and they did have one notable star Trey Young I think who is a little more of a star like in terms of his own team than Jason Tatum, if that makes sense. I think Tatum's a better player, but you kind of get what I'm saying in that regard. Yeah. Well, but they're, then, they're very they're very dependent on one guy, as right. opposed to Boston, who can who has like probably three guys who. But they depend Atlanta, on Atlantic would would prefer to start seven guy six guys with Trey Young and not just a starting rotation. Like they had all these different guys and the pieces never could work, and it's probably why you're going to see Atlanta kind of slightly blow it up next year. I don't, I don't think you're going to see the same Hawks team. I don't think they're going to rebuild by any means, but I think they're going well, to they restructure to, their roster. They need to consolidate some of their assets and do, you know, another all-star. Right. Well, I mean, the Stephen A. LeBron rumors today, I don't think was um, just by chance. I don't know if you caught that, but Stephen A. was like, no, maybe the Lakers will be better acquiring young talent than uh, trying to figure this out with LeBron James. That's never done yeah. by accident, my man. It's never, no, I know. never done by accident. And, uh, but my, I, my thoughts on that are, are the same thoughts I had with Aaron Rodgers. Do you want to be the GM to trade him? Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's a great point. I mean, that is a hell of a point. It would be, 
I think there is a when I don't want to go into the rabbit hole, but I, I think there is a real power struggle right now with Jeannie Boss and LeBron James and Clutch. I think well, Jeannie Boss wants to be the big swinging dick in the Cracker Factory, and LeBron's like, no, no, no. I I run this shit, and she's like, no, we're the Lakers. Like the fact that she brought she's bringing in Phil Jackson to oversee the coaching search is um, something else. Um, Kurt yeah. Rambis hanging out, just doing God knows what. One of the worst NBA coaches of all time, and he's in backroom meetings. Like, what the fuck is Kurt Rambis's role? Like, I don't know, man. It's really interesting. I'm very fascinated to see what happens there. And if LeBron wants to come to the East to get his ass kicked by Giannis, like by by all means, please, I'd welcome that. And I realize that's careful what you wish for, but I feel good about it, so it's all right. Oh yeah, I, um, yeah, yeah. So LeBron, I, LeBron, LeBron can put up a nice night, but um, you know his better days are behind him. It's like us and drinking. You know, we can have one good night of drinking every four or five weeks. We'll pay for it. It'll be a three-day thing, um, but we can't do that every. We can't do that every Saturday anymore. Like that's just not sustainable with our right. old bodies. Well, Same I guess thing. with LeBron, it's it's still twenty-five points a night, but it's like he's not impacting the game as much as he used to. Right, he doesn't play defense. Um, kind of like James Harden. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The media, the media just won't let him go. But it's like, yeah. dude, they're they're not the player they were six years ago. Yeah, I want to get I want to get back to a couple of Bucks things, but since you brought up Harden, I I'm sure you saw the PJ Tucker stuff today. Um, if I did you didn't, not. No. If you didn't. Okay, I can pull it up for you. Read it live. Um, PJ Tucker, man, can, can PJ Tucker shut the fuck up? I like PJ Tucker. PJ Tucker is one of my all time favorite Bucks, but it'd be really great if PJ Tucker could just shut up. So let me read this to you. From Mark Spears, who did a Q&A. Uh, Mark Spears, curious why you didn't re-sign with the Bucks. He said, look at Andre Iguodala. He's right back at Golden State. He left, was in the shade for a minute, but he's back. I feel like every player wants that at home. I felt like I was building that in Milwaukee. And they said, oh, yeah, for sure. And they weren't just going to go over the luxury tax. It is what it is. And then there's this. And then – and then – being a vet, I said, all right, you fucking replaced me. Cool. You figured out that's just what you had to do. And for me, it wasn't about the money. It was about the respect because they told me to go find an offer and they would match it. After I heard that, I said, I'm not even coming back. Even if I had to take less money to me, that was disrespectful. So is that disrespectful, Mitch? Like, am I missing something here? Well, I, my thoughts on P.J. Tucker haven't changed. I, I think he always wanted to go to Miami, and uh-huh. he ended up going to the Bucks because they swooped in with a better offer at the trade deadline Correct. in 2021, yes. and he got a championship, and, you know, he had a one-night stand with us, and that was fine, but he's, he's where he wants to be, and I wish he would just shut the fuck up. Exactly. I mean, yeah, I, I do up. appreciate the, the – I appreciate the candidness um, because you don't get that very much. But, um, you know, yeah, if, if the stars align and we do play Miami in the Eastern Conference Finals, it's going to be a nightmare to play that team. Yeah. <clears throat> it is going to be a disaster because, you know, P.J. Tucker is going to be fired up and it's going to be like seeing, you know, an ex-girlfriend or something um, that just 
still looks good and is putting that thing on you, as they say. Because, <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, he's, he'll, he'll be motivated. He don't need much. No. Um, and he is, every time the Bucks played the Heat, he was very animated. And it, and it just, you know, he, he's a guy that carries a chip on his shoulder. And, you know, I'm not, su- I'm not very surprised that he, uh, he felt disrespected. Um, no. But like I said, I, I think he wanted to go to Miami all along. He thought he was going to Miami at the trade deadline. And, you know, he went where he wanted to go ultimately. So, right. And he's just, let's just move on. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Okay. Back to Buck Celtics. What do you think is the Buck starting lineup for game number three? Do you think it'll be the same three bigs or do you think they're going to yeah. shake it up? I don't, I don't think there's really a reason to shake it up yet. Um, I don't know, man. The defense, the defense, I, I don't, they, they really, to limit some of the open threes, I think you need to have either Pat or Grayson out there and more of your start, starting rotation to start the game, in my opinion, personally. Hmm. Huh. Well, size wise, that doesn't work very well. Um, no, it's not great, but uh, it's what it's the card you're dealt with. Um, I don't think you're going to start. Well, two... I mean, if you start Grayson with Wes um, and take Bobby back to the bench. Yep. I mean, I could probably get down with that because I think Grayson is feisty enough for Jalen Brown um, yep. because Jalen Brown is a noted pretty poor ball handler. Yeah. Um, like pretty much anyone on the box, in my opinion, but, um, you know, nobody has that tight of a handle, I guess. But I mean, um, I think he can irritate Jalen Brown. I think, um, then West would be on Tatum. I need to have Giannis and Brooke in there. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I, I just, man, <clears throat> changing the starting lineup. I, I think you roll one more game with it. And if you lose game three, which is, Sneaky must win. Um, and you kind of push the panic button a little more and make a lot okay. of significant change like that. All right. I no, just, yeah, I, I, I hear you. Okay. I was going to ask you another question, but now that you mentioned must win, I, I don't know if it is a must win. I mean, the momentum would certainly swing to Boston if it's 2 1. Then it obviously makes game four a must win, and then it's your backs are fully against the wall. Um, the Bucks tend in the last year plus um, championship year and this year when the Bucks backs have been against the wall, they've delivered a response. Um, they did against Brooklyn. They did against Atlanta. They did against Phoenix. I would, it would be, I'd be hard pressed to think that they won't deliver a big response on Saturday afternoon. Um, yeah. I and, mean, they, they largely, they largely protected home court last year. Um, for the most part, so that's encouraging, um, which is why winning game one was huge. Um, so, but they kind of, you know, we talked we talked after game one, or I did at least about I don't even know what to do with myself after they played well in game one. Um, so they got their stinker out of the way in game two. Hopefully they they come back with with the same level of intensity as Boston and then some. Yeah. You do wonder, maybe game twos are the new game ones. Um, the last question I'll ask about the Bucks Celtics is what? who benefits more from the rest? So they're going to get now three days off. 
is that something that will be more of a Celtics advantage or more of a Bucks advantage? Hmm. Well, you would assume Boston comes back with Marcus Smart in game three. Right. Um, so I guess that would benefit them because they'd get a preferred starter back. Mm-hmm. Um, but as we talked about for a little bit, you know, I don't know if that's necessarily a great thing. Um, Bucks wise, there's really no that I can think of. There's no injury, you know, outside of Middleton, which we are pretty sure he's not going to play at all in the series. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, a couple days off to come home doesn't hurt. Um, you know, it's not like you're sitting in Boston for three days doing yeah. nothing. Um, you know, I'd, I would imagine the team's back already yep. as we record this, this podcast. So, um, you know, sleep in your own bed for three nights before the game probably, probably benefits the Bucks. I've talked yeah. myself into that. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. And you kind of talked myself into it as well. I think, you know, we also saw Boston struggle with a week off. It seemed like, they were a little lackadaisical and I don't know if that's going to affect them. Um, it didn't affect the bucks at all. Um, they had a little bit less of a time off with playing game five, but it, it didn't really shake them at all. And they looked really crisp in game one after that sort of first quarter malaise. And maybe the crowd will really sort of pump them up and they can actually get out on a quick run. I think you're right. That first quarter, while I'm a big proponent that they don't matter, I think at some point the Bucks are going to need to start, start you know, quick. And the fact that the Celtics can avalanche you, they, they did it a lot in the regular season, that's another reason why you have to start out with at least a puncher's chance. Even if you're down, like, seven points to start the second quarter, that's fine. But, like, at least look competent out there. Don't look like you're – just sort of yeah. getting into the game <laughs> and you, you haven't turned the light on yet. Um, I would like to see yeah. that light turned on right at the start. Now it was turned on for game one. Um, they just weren't hitting shots and hopefully again, maybe it all comes together in game three. Well, it's more likely you'll, you'll have a, you know, a quick, a quick emotional burst at home. Um, yeah. You know, the Bobby thing, you know, you gotta, you gotta figure he'll be, he'll bounce back. Um, yeah. Great. Grayson will probably be better. Um, Javon Carter will probably be better. Now he was great in game one, not so much in game two. Um, he just has to be more. Co- he has to be more confident in shooting the basketball. Like he has totally. to just, he has to just understand that no one's gonna, no one's gonna bench him if he shoots the ball. Like Mike Budenholzer, that's not the kind of guy Mike Budenholzer is, and he has to like get it out of his head that. And it's okay if he gets blocked. Like that play that where he turns the ball over, and then I think that led to a Celtics, Celtics basket. And that was one of those moments where if the Bucks score there, it's like okay, they are fully back in this game. And even if Carter shoots the three there, gets blocked by Grant Williams, you, you know, you get the ball back. It's four seconds left. You get a chance at something else to throw at the rim, or. Maybe Grant Williams follows you. Maybe he's out of control and that big ass just runs into you and you get a foul call and then you get three free throws. Who knows, right? So I just need a little more confidence out of Javon Carter on the offensive end. Mm-hmm. And you yeah, might get just... George, you also might get George Hill back. <clears throat> so, and I'm not yeah. a huge George Hill guy, but um, yeah, it seems like George Hill might be ready to play in game three, which is more bodies. And I would, I would, I'm okay with that. Or what do you, how do you, 
assess having George Hill back in the the fold? Well, I mean, I guess you give him you give him one shift, and you figure out if he's got it anymore. Um, because it sure didn't look like it. This no, year. no, he. I was. I mean, we were all banging the drum for Carter over Hill. And I could understand trying to see what George Hill has in the first half of, of the game if he's if he is in fact back. Um, but you know he has proven himself in the playoffs before. He's had some big moments in the playoffs before. Um, but you know, as you said, as you mentioned, he he doesn't have much left in him. He is on his way to Washville. But here's hoping Bucks will will win um, on Saturday. Um, we'll talk more about the game on the Daily Tap tomorrow. Um, we will also be at the Broadhouse on the Saturday. Of course, we will be there. You don't have to even ask. Um, probably in the upstairs um, if we can. Um, I doubt they'll close the upstairs because there will be a lot of people there um, before the game. That's always the tough one with the inside is you have all the all the people who are having their beverages before they go, go to the, the arena. Um, but we'll, we'll make it work. Not worried. Also real quick, what do you think about the Pantheon as the name for the Pfizer forum as the nickname for the Pfizer forum? Uh, okay. Greek. Um, yes. You know, I can, I can kind of get down with that. I don't know if that sticks, but, um, where, where are you getting that from? Shannon sent it to me um, uh, today. So he shot me a text and was like, what about the Pantheon? And I was like, I like that. Because um, I was basically yesterday saying how, like, you can't call it the forum, you know? And, like, the Mecca is the Mecca and the Garden's the Garden. And the Bucks don't really have, like, a nickname for their stadium. So just a thought. But anyways, moving on to the Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers had a good draft, a draft that I think a lot of fans liked. Uh, the pin, it was Pinhead approved after not drafting receiver in the first round. Uh, the Packers continue the theme of not drafting receivers, which is hilarious, um, to say the least. And then got, went up and got one uh, from Minnesota. And I got another one in the fourth round. And they also added to their offensive line room. And they added an edge rusher. They basically checked every box. Now, the Packers are in win-now mode. They've been in win-now mode for a while, but the win-now has been accelerated. Win-now mode is has a NOS tank on it, um, whether you're playing GTA. the GTA have NOS tanks, by the way, before I, I open to you? NOS tanks? Yeah, or is that uh, just a Fast and the Furious thing? Uh, I haven't played GTA in a long time. Okay. So uh, you could have could have just lied to me there. Um Let's just say I'm, I'm sure they Turis- do. Let's just say Grand Turismo. Um, shout go. out, you know, a little your NAS tank for your Grand Turismo um, game, and that's where their win now is accelerated too. So what what makes this a good draft in year one? Usually, it's three years that it before we're like we really know if this draft hit or this draft didn't. But what would make this a good draft within the first year? Um, if it improves the special teams, oh, um, immediately, I, which I, I think they drafted a couple of guys that will contribute there. Yeah, Terry um, Carpenter, John Ford. I think they're both guys, both guys who could who will be immediate contributors. I think 
Romeo Dobbs, who really should be Dubs, but he's Dobbs, um, is going to probably be a gunner um, potentially. Um, so yeah, I, I think yeah, you're going to get a lot from that special teams. But continue. Yeah. So I mean, what I don't know about this Kingsley guy. He's an outside linebacker, presumably. Yeah. Um, you know, deep depth. Yeah. You know, little Zadarius. Little Zadarius in him. Um, will be a guy that you you rotate in and out. Um, it's going to be Rashawn Gary. It's going to be Preston Smith. And then maybe a little bit of Jonathan Garvin. And then Kin- Kingsley and Barke will be the, the fourth guy in there. Um, so it's just a rotational piece. But if he's there on a couple third downs, we're like, go kill the quarterback. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, definitely, you know, we'll add to that pass rush and add to the defense. I think if you, if you end up with, you know, a solid, somewhat reliable Christian Watson. Um, I don't know. I don't know what his numbers look like being a rookie. Um, right. You know, if you got six touchdowns from him, I think that'd be huge. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, I don't know. I think he's kind of a project. Ooh, um, interesting. Why do you, why do you think that? I just played at a smaller school. I know that's going to be an easy, easy, lazy take for you. But, um, I mean, I just – I think there's something to that. There's going to be a large adjustment from FCS corners to NFL corners. You know, I, I don't know if there's any great ones within the, the division, per se. But um, – Jalen Johnson isn't bad from, from the Bears. Um, but the Vikings have a trash secondary. Lions are going to get a Okuda back from his Achilles tear. But, I mean, he's probably a year away from – Maybe being a good corner again for Detroit. They they also have that kid from Syracuse. I forget his name. Um, he's good though. Um, he's not or he's not bad. I shouldn't say he's like he's good, but he's he's a solid player. I forgot I'm, names slipping slipping my tongue. But yeah, I, I mean, I hear you on the Watson thing. It is a lazy take, um, but I don't. I I think like sometimes with those takes, it's like. Yes, it's it's an easy take. It's maybe not lazy. It's easy take, but there is some yeah. truth in that, right? Like Jordan, yeah, not Jordan Nelson, bad example. James Jones, Devontae Adams, like these guys didn't immediately impact the game. Marquez Valles Scantling did not impact. Now, I played in the American, but I still would say that's a smaller conference than say he's a receiver yeah. at Georgia. He's a receiver at Alabama. Yeah. Um, so I do think that there is something to that. Um, but I mean, there were scouts that said Watson it was maybe the best FCS receiver since Randy Moss. Now that's very high fucking praise. I'm not expecting that. I'm not going to say this guy's going to be just a deity out of out of out of college. But the Packers <laughs> said they loved him, and they're like, "You go after a guy you love." And the Packers have been more right than they've been wrong on top flight receivers. Maybe not in the later rounds, and that's sometimes misconstrued by the national media or the people who just want to hate the front office. It's like, yeah, Jamon Moore sucked. Yeah. D'Angelo Yancey wasn't good, but when it's a top 100 guy, they rarely, if ever miss. And, you know, we don't need to run through all the names, but at the same time, that to me makes me think that Watson (laughs) isn't a project that they feel like they can, they can work with him. Now, I don't know what Aaron Rodgers will do to work with him. Um, I understand that 
it's not Aaron Rodgers' responsibility per se to work with Watson and Green Bay. But if Aaron Rodgers is serious about winning a Super Bowl like he says he is, Aaron Rodgers has Watson and Dobbs out in L.A., maybe even with Jordan Love too, and they like have a have a workout together and they hang out for a weekend at like the facility that Rodgers has been going to recently. I don't know if he's an owner of that facility, but he, they had a lot of draft guys come through there. Like there's no reason you can't fly Watson and Dobbs out there this summer to start working with those guys, start building that connection, even if you don't want to go to OTAs. They want to spend time in Green Bay this summer, which I don't blame. You, you know, a lot of veterans have earned that right. But if Rodgers does none of that, I will. I, there will be some trepidation, at least on my end. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of been a issue or a hot-button topic the last couple of years because, you know, Rodgers talks about having, you know, more power within the organization. Now that's not a way I like to phrase it, but um, it's kind of what he wants. Right. He, he wants to be more involved in decision-making. I feel like he needs to kind of put his money where his mouth is a little more then and, and be, you know, uh, present, if you will, as they, as they develop some of these players, um, you know, and you'd like to think that maybe Rogers had a say in them trading up to get Christian Watson. Um, well, hope- well, what was really interesting was I don't, I'm sure you didn't catch it cause you're, you're more, you were dialed in with the NBA playoffs on draft night, but Rogers had Rogers was on with McAfee. Rogers usually with McAfee, it's just cuzzo and, you know, it's just shooting the shit, and that's why people love Pat McAfee. I get it. But Pat also carries the water really hard for Aaron Rodgers. But I, I love Pat. Sure. I'm not, not trying to disrespect anything that he does. I'd love to talk to him anything, whatever. Um, but we got to call it how we see it here. And But when they were kind of talking about draft picks and everything like that, Rodgers like, yeah, we had six uh, round one grades on guys, and they all went. And Rodgers, like, the only guy that I really thought could be, like, an immediate impact dude was Jamison Williams. And he went 12. And there's really no Justin Jefferson's in this draft. Rodgers was talking like a fucking GM. Like, and I'm, mm-hmm. like, listening to this, and I'm, like, okay, this guy is getting what he wants. And that made me, like, really encouraged because he's, like, talking about Wyatt, talking about Walker, and what they'll do for this defense. And yeah, maybe this is all that he ever wanted was just like being informed about what, what their thought process is, why they like this guy, why they yeah. don't like this guy, um, what grades we have on these players, you know, and I'm sure he was brief that, you know, Hey, we want to try to draft up. We want to try to get back into the first round and get Watson. Like we think he's very good. And if we can't get back up in the first round, we're going to try like hell to get there in the second round. That's our guy, and we're not slipping up. Now, I know there are some detractors with Watson. Um, Pete Bukowski was a guy who had a big take about, like, oh, basically you got Watson and Walker for Devontae Adams, and that's it, because you traded away your Vikings picks. Fine. I think it's way too early for that. It's way too early. We don't know what Devontae Adams is going to look like with Oakland, first of all. Second of all, um, it's Las Vegas. I realize I fucked that up. But second of all, I mean, George Pickens and Alex Pierce are, are all right. But to me, 
those guys don't have the ceiling that Christian Watson does. And if you know the Green Bay Packers, you follow the Packers enough, they're always going to draft guys who have this the unlimited ceiling. The ceiling is the roof, if you will, right? Like they 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 draft those dudes. They don't just draft guys who are going to peak at some point early on in their career. Yeah, uh, I definitely agree with that, and I I like that 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 they do that because I I prefer taking the person with with more potential over you know the guy who's maybe more of a finished finished product and going back to the Rogers thing it's like you know I'm perfectly fine with him like he said you know having a spot at the table an ear to to you know listen to what they're saying possibly provide some input and as he put it stuff that directly affects my job my performance you know in other words you know I don't care about who you take on defense but um, when it comes to my protection, my pass catchers, my running backs, I mean, I would, I would like to have a little bit of input and it's, you know, if people use it as a pejorative or something that he's, you know, he wants all the power and is running the organization. Like, I don't think he is. I think he's, you know, um, earned the, uh, the ability and, you know, the spot at that table to talk to duty and, you know, be, you know, do things to and, and be a voice yeah. to get them to where they want to go. Right. Absolutely. And I think, I, I think he's all in and I don't think there's any, any signs of wavering. I think it's going to be, he's going to have a, a great disposition, I think, heading into the season and the season, the way it'll start be a lot different than what we saw last season. Um, the last, I guess, draft thought is it would not shock me in the slightest if Zach Tom is our starting right tackle to begin the year, even though he has short arms, even though he profiles as a guard. I mean, that they, they were saying that about David Bakhtiari. I'm not saying Zach Tom's going to be David Bakhtiari, right? But I mean, the guy was the top lineman in terms of stopping pressures in as a offensive tackle last year in the ACC, which has a decent amount of edge rushers in it. It's not, that he wasn't doing that in fucking um, the Mac or the um, or like the Sun Belt. He was doing it in the ACC, pretty solid conference. And yeah, I I, I have a lot of stock in Zach Tom. I will say that I am. There's a lot of islands. I I don't think there's one draft pick I dislike, Mitch. Which I usually have one or two where I'm like, ah, I'm not sure about that. I really was hard pressed to find one that I like disliked. And it's credit to Goop, man. Um, he's yeah. he, he did did the damn thing. We are it, oh god. And it looks like Zach Thomas some experience at center too. So like yeah, oh he play everywhere. He, he play, he's a legit Packer pack. He, right, he, which 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 goes back to like them always having versatile linemen, um, to just kind of interchange. Which I know is kind of what the NFL is now. But I mean, obviously it doesn't hurt. I kind of like the Samari Toure pick. Oh, the last, you know, the last yeah. guy. He was kind of a stud for Nebraska. I mean, what yeah, do you no, have? no, he was a good player. I mean, and also too, like Nebraska was so bad for the last few years. He was also kind of a shadow to Wandale Robinson, who was taken in the second round. Now he went to Kentucky his last year, but Ture was kind of that second guy. And also too, like it can't be lost that if. Ture ends up being something 
that we could just do the Yaya Torre chants for him, which would be incredible. Right. Um, that would be an amazing development. If you don't know the Yaya Torre chants, I'm, I will save your eardrums, but please look it up on on social media um, because it's it, it is worth the worth the price of admission. Um, and I I think that's that's why you have to cheer for a guy like that. And I, I'm really I'm also very excited for. I will say this, I guess, to kind of wrap it up um, is if Chris Barnes is still the uh, the second linebacker with Devondre Campbell by halfway through the season, let's say week eight, week nine, then I would say that's a little bit of a disappointment for Quay Walker. Like Quay Walker hopefully will be taking over that role. I'm not expecting day one, but I would say by November, that's when I would hope that Quay Walker is – starting to make some impact and starting to make some things happen. Yeah. And he's, he's kind of a Rashawn Gary pick, right? Where it's like a little bit. I mean, he's, you know, yeah, he, I mean, he, all the, all the, all the tangibles in the world, it just is a matter of, you know, he only started one year at Georgia. So he may be a little more raw. Yeah. But, but I, he definitely I think has the size and everything to push back on the Georgia thing though. I think Georgia has so many dudes, man, like Georgia. Sure. Like, oh yeah. The, if you look like I'll I'll peek at a, a way too soon mock draft. I do it for the NBA too. Just it's more out of curiosity than anything else to be like, all right, who are the guys that I want to pay attention to in college football next year? And like there were like three or four fucking Georgia players in the first round again next year. It's absurd. It's just uh, it's something else, man. I think I think if it goes the way I think it will with these Georgia guys, I think we're gonna look back. And that defense could be maybe not at the level of like that 2000, 2002 Miami team, right? Where everybody was just awesome. Um, but definitely, definitely close to that. Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I mean, they for sure have tons of guys. And I know that there was, there was a, one of the Georgia beat writers was kind of on the, making the radio circuits. And he kind of like, I don't know. He seemed to be almost critical of some of their players. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it was, but it was weird. It was almost like, oh, these guys are leaving, so screw them, you know. Um, yeah. He, he, I think but, he works for the – I know who you're talking about. Seth Emerson, I think his name. He works yeah. for the Athletic. So I think anytime you work for the Athletic, you kind of just have to be a little bit of a prick. Like you can't yeah, – like you don't, do. have, you don't have to be a full prick. Like some of them are, but you just have to be slight a slight prick if you, if you work for them. I feel like it's part of the – Part of the job requirement. Job, job description, like they have to interview you and make sure you're <laughs> just a little bit abrasive. Yeah, exactly. You have a few spicy takes uh, in the chamber, in the chamber, ready to go. So, uh, yeah. Like if, like if, if the athletic needs to sell some, sell some uh, subscriptions, they, they need to come. They need their, their beat writers to be ready with like a take to ruin someone's career. Right. Just yeah. like. They, they need some Tim or like or like an investigative thing to take them down, like like a Michael Cohen. Yeah, Michael. Yeah, a little Latroy guy on thing for sure. Um, what's the beat writer in the Bay Area? Tim, I forget his last. I can't pronounce the last name. Uh, Tim Kawakami. Oh yeah, I'm blocked by him. Um, so and I didn't even say anything that reckless to him. He was just talking smart about the Bucks, I think. And I, I uh, he's just a fucking. I follow him. He all he does is troll people. I mean, pretty much. It's just. Well, no, he's he's like the classic fucking writer that's on Twitter and 
says something and then like mocks the fans when they're pissed off and like yeah he like likes, yeah dude we're getting our ass kicked like we're we're upset like i'm sorry he, he he likes to inhale his farts for sure um and i i think like late stage harder court kind of got that way like i i i had to mute tom at the end of his career <laughs> i realize he's a legend but let me just say that it's been it's been nice with the Brewers beat with uh, the guys they have this year. I think they, they do a good job. I mentioned that I think on another podcast, but they, I, I do enjoy them more than uh, more than I did last year. Uh, but moving on to the Brewers, they are continuing their tour of the sisters of the poor. Uh, last check, they were up six to three. I'm going to check that again here, seven to three, uh, but the Cincinnati Reds are threatening uh, in the sixth inning, but yes, the Milwaukee Brewers are taking care of business. They're 15 and five in their last 20 games, um, 16 and eight overall. Uh, they are near the top of the best teams in baseball, but the test is kind of coming to a heat here, starting in Atlanta this weekend. The Brewers are embarking on two very large road trips where I think we're going to really know what, what the Brewers are about. Um, they play Atlanta, Cincinnati, Miami. Why we're not doing Atlanta, Miami, Cincinnati is beyond me, but I don't make the schedule. Uh, and then home for Atlanta again, then you go back out on the road, or Atlanta and Washington, and then a road trip with San Diego, St. Louis, and Chicago. So I guess, Mitch, where are you at expectations wise with the Brewers? Are you still in wait or see, or are you, you kind of all in on this team? Still wait and see a little bit. I just, they are beating up on, I mean, the pirates actually aren't that bad. If you look at their record, they're kind of risky. Um, and the Brewers have pretty much dominated them this year. Right. So that's, I guess, good to see, you know, I mean, yes, you, you're going to play who's on your schedule. They're doing a good job taking a care of business. So I think they deserve some credit for that, no doubt. Um, the pitching has been as advertised, the offense starting to wake up. And, you know, part of part of a baseball season is getting fat on, you know, lesser teams. And, you know, maybe they're able to, to come into their own here as they head out to, you know, Atlanta. I'm not sure what Atlanta's record is. Pardon me. Atlanta's, um, Atlanta's struggled to start the year, but they still – they still have boppers. They still have a, a good team. You know, they're, they're three, two or three games under. They blew out the Mets today, um, winning nine to two. So the Atlanta's 12 and 15, 12 and 15 or 13 and 15. World Series hangover, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. And there's definitely a by that. But I mean, we'll have Burns versus Max Freed on Saturday. Brewers still struggle against lefties. And then on Sunday, it's going to be Aaron Ashby against Charlie Morton. Charlie Morton's been struggling to start the year, but Charlie Morton has shoved against the Brewers in the past. So I'm not not really putting anything past him. You know, if so, the guys – Are they going with a six-man six rotation right now? Uh, they're, I think they're doing it sporadically. I think when they don't have a lot of days off, they're going to incorporate it. And then I think when they have days off, they just go with a five-man. So I think they're just – it's more interchangeable for the Brewers. It's just kind of Craig Council being Craig Council, right? Just kind of being a little yeah. bit of a weirdo um, yep. and doing some different things. And it's not great that Josh Hader had back spasms. Um, I guess they said he was going to be available for this series. 
Um, but that's why he didn't pitch on Tuesday night. Cause I was like, it's kind of trying to think why Devin Williams was out there. I was like, um, did hate, I was like, I don't think Hater pitched like over the weekend or anything like that. Like, I don't know why, why Hater would be out here, but back spasms aren't great. Um, it, to me, like with playing the Reds, like fucking sit Hater until Atlanta. Like, I don't, he doesn't need to pitch against the Reds. Like we'll figure it out. Okay. Like we lose a game late because we didn't have Josh Hader there. I'd rather have Josh Hader and his back figure figure that shit out because backs are backs are something that can be a factor all year. Like that can affect you all oh, yeah. year. And I ask, would ask, ask Yelich. Yeah, exactly. Like I would really like that to not be a worry. Um, but that's that's slightly concerning. Um, that's probably to me the biggest concern right now. If you were to say about where the Brewers are, um, but don't have a ton of like major. I, I still think the fact that Freddie Peralta can't seem to pitch out of the first inning. Um, he gave up two runs again tonight. Like that has to, they have to figure that out. Like I, I keep saying it, but it's like, I don't know how many fucking times you can do this and against bad teams. Fine. Whatever. You can figure it out. Come back against good teams like Atlanta, like San Diego, like, uh, so yeah, I would still still say St. Louis is a good team at this point. Like you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to work on that and figure out what makes the most sense for that first inning for Fred. Yeah, that's that's not good. I mean, you know, he's he's got to sort of be, I don't know, Freddie's a little bit of a nibbler. I feel yeah. like you got to be, you know, get him to be a little more aggressive and trust the stuff a little more, and um, he'll bounce back. But, oh yeah. yeah, I'm not. not I'm not good. worried he's, about it. He's had it's... trouble. I feel like I feel like Devin Williams had a lot of trouble this year too. He just loves, you know, loading the bases before he gets an out. You know that type of thing. Um, little K, little K Rodish, yeah, for sure. Yeah, totally. But yeah, I, I I think right now the Brewers are in a good spot. I think the fact that you're able to get fat against these bad teams with all these road games coming up you then can kind of right-size the road trips, right? You say, all right, go 500 here, go 500 here. If you do stub your toe and lose like 7 to 10 or something, which will happen in a baseball season, it's just baseball. You know, you're not going to be perfect. I, I, I did a whole thing about, you know, that really you need only about two or three hot months to be like a 90-win baseball team, 90 to 95-win baseball team. So sure. just like, you know, I, I think that's a PSA too to the Brewer fans who've been watching, or maybe you have one eye on it because you're watching the Bucks, or you're not dialed in yet with baseball because the weather has been absolutely trash. Just know, like, it's going to be okay if, if they if they stub their toe a little bit, whether it's on this road trip or the road trip after, it'll it'll be just fine. And I'm encouraged they were able to beat up on the Reds. I was partly worried that. At some point, Cincinnati's going to start winning games. Like, you just can't be this bad as a baseball team. Like, I don't I, – I mean, it's – right? Like, I mean, this yeah, is crazy. It's it's sad. Oh, it's totally sad. It's it's sad. It's pathetic. It's – it's. I mean, yeah, the, it's just like – I don't know what how to fix it either, too, if you're Cincinnati because it seems like every time that, you know, they get a 2 nothing lead tonight – and then uh, Wong hits a home run, and then Rowdy hits a grand slam. So it's like – and also, too, Rowdy, I, I 
Mitch, I, I kind of told you, I thought Rowdy could have a good year this year. And you, you, you kind of poo-pooed it. You're like, I don't know. And I was like, I'm telling you, man, Stearns, one thing David Stearns knows what to do is pick up some guy in the scrap heap that would be awesome the next year. Uh, very Stearns-like move with Rowdy Tellez. Yeah, he's, I mean, he was, you know, a prospect for the Blue Jays. And, you know, there's a reason he, you know, they brought him in and he's, He's been living it, living up to the hype, I guess. I mean, he was a 33rd round pick, though. People forget. So yeah, it wasn't like he was a wasn't like a blue chip prospect coming into the no. you know out of high school or anything. But uh, yeah, good good to see the big boy eat. Oh yeah, that definitely no question no question about it. Uh, absolutely, that it's good. And uh, don't know if I have any anything else for you uh, today. Um, just hope. Hope that you you'll you won't miss me too much when I'm in Mexico. Um, and hopefully we're Bucks are moved on. Hopefully game five we're we win in five and it's we're getting ready for the Eastern Conference Finals. Woo-hoo. I know. <laughs> I yeah. fully expect a game, uh, a game after, six after, after game one. I maybe would have said yeah, but um, I don't know. It's gonna be tough. Yeah, man. It's it's. Uh, definitely not going to be easy and uh, definitely something that that will be a challenge and i i don't expect i'll be able to watch either game when i'm in mexico uh but you know when there's a will there's a way and we'll if i if there is a bar that has a game on uh i will uh try to mosey my way to there Uh, but if not it might not be as difficult as you you think yeah I, i don't know man i have no idea i this is really the first time I think I can remember where like I actually have a meaningful game in at in the you know where I'm at. I re- I remember actually the the dra- the Kevin King draft, which was also the same night the Bucks nearly came back from being down 25 in Game Six against the Raptors in that playoff yep. series. Um, that was I was in Dominican Republic for that, and I remember. That night, I tried to find a way to watch it in the Dominican Republic. Didn't work out, um, and so then I was just I was just basically reading tweets um, and just drinking. I was actually having a very good time. Like it's not uncommon for what I do at the house, um, really. <laughs> and so, uh, but yeah, I remember following along on Twitter, and then the whole Kevin King, uh, T.J. Watt fiasco happened, and yeah, that was uh, that was something else. But what you know, we'll see. I'll. Uh, I'll bring back stories and uh, yeah, it's hopefully we, regardless, um, we'll definitely uh, tune in on the YouTube TV recordings um, when I get back and, and watch them good or bad for both game four and game five. So we'll see. Well, yeah. Have fun and try not to let it uh, ruin your life. Oh no, I won't. I'll be fine. I'll be good. I'll be, I'll be chilling. I'll be uh, soaking up the sun, um, playing a little golf and everything like that and seeing, a great couple get married. So it'll, it'll all be good. You know, it's very much, right. very much secondary. Um, I think if the Bucks were somehow down 2-0 and I was, I was going there for game three and four, that would be maybe a little tougher, but at least I know that worst case it ends on Wednesday, but I really hope that would be like, that would be the only thing that would make it bad, but I would be, I'm highly doubtful that that will happen. So, but you never know. Sports are weird. Yep. All right. Take care of yourself. We will be back tomorrow for the Daily Tap. 
Hope to see you all at the Broad House on Saturday if you guys can make it out. No reason not to. 2.30. I'll probably be there a little earlier than that uh, to get our get our seats because it will be a crowd one. All right. Take care of yourself. Have a great Thursday, Tappers. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Peace.